Hi, everyone, and welcome to the new podcast episode. This is the podcast Don't Blame the CRM. And today we have a guest from uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, Rune Abo, who's working as a partner at the company called Radiant. Welcome to the show, Rune. Great. Thank you. Nice to be here. Excellent. Maybe we could start quickly um, with introductions. You could introduce yourself and also Radiant. I know Radiant is a HubSpot partner, but maybe you share some additional um, insights. Yeah, of course. Well, as you said, my name is uh, Rune Abo, and I'm the head of business development in, in Radiant. And as you also said, we are a HubSpot partner. So we work really closely together with uh, HubSpot and uh, my team and the business development. We do uh, a lot of uh, transformations uh, regarding HubSpot, either to people already using it or going in, uh, ready to kind of leverage their growth ecosystem. And uh, my mas- I myself is actually a, a certified HubSpot trainer. So also really deep dive into the different aspects of, of HubSpot and how you can use it in scaling uh, Nordic businesses. And do you, do you focus on all the different hubs that HubSpot provides or is it mainly sales and marketing hub or you do also operations and uh, service? Yeah, we, we mainly focus on the marketing and sales, at least if you talk about how many clients we have on it and where we can leverage the yeah the, the scaling of the, the businesses. But we are a company that looks into ecosystems in terms of growth ecosystems. So when operations hub or service hub uh, have relevance, we've worked with that uh, as well. Yeah, excellent. Um, today, we'll talk about workflows. We'll talk about similarity, um, lookalike audiences, some pitfalls, but one of the reasons why we ended up speaking with you was that you and I, with some others, we had a discussion on LinkedIn about bringing data to HubSpot. And then we were discussing back and forth if data should be uh, stored uh, in company properties instead of tasks and nodes. Like, what, what do you see? You work with RevOps people, SalesOps people, HubSpot admins a lot. Like, what's your take on that? Because And why is it even important to think about if you want to save um, data and company information, either as a node or task or as a company property? Why is this relevant discussion? Yeah, sure. Well, I found the, the discussion really interesting and uh, also really close to some of the, the aspects we put into place every day. We work with the transformations. Uh, I mean, of course, you can't have uh, properties for everything. You can't have all sales intelligence into properties. But identifying those key sales intelligence pieces that you're picking up and putting them into structure uh, makes all of the different aspects you have in a, uh, for example, HubSpot or just a CM really valuable if you go in and work with workflows or lists and so forth. And actually have an example of, uh, I have a colleague that had uh, been uh, been working with a, a specific client and he found a hole in the market where he could see that a lot of companies using a specific solution out of the market could really use this new value proposition they had. And he knew that he has been talking to around like 50 companies over the past year and he knew they were using this solution. So he wanted to find those 50 companies once again. But the only problem was he had to create loose notes on the company or the contact record. So he wasn't able just to go in and say, okay, I want these exact 50 companies. If he had put that into that specific property for that piece of sales intelligence, talking about what solution they have right now, 
which was also in place, just not used, <laughs> uh, he would just be able to go in simply and press, I want these 50 companies with this property, get a list, and he had all of them. And one thing is that he could then go out and talk to them, but he'd also be able to put those into workflows or also for future companies where we figured out that you got this. You also put it, uh, be able to put that into the structure. So yeah, I, I normally kind of use the, the analogy of notes being like highlighting something in a book. Uh, you can see it when you're on that specific page, but you need to know exactly where it is to find it again. But mm -hmm. if you put it into properties, it's like have these small sticky notes that are structured on the side of the book. So when you need to find something specific, you just look for that little red color and you can find it. And it's even better because you can do it uh, across a lot of different books. So you can see everything at the same time. So it's so important to first identify those central pieces of sales intelligence, put into properties, but also making sure that you have that. So when you need it, you can find it again. Yeah, I think that's that's a very good example. Um, we actually had, we've been discussing the same topic and al almost like the same type of example. It was about actually technology data and, and the solution yeah. that a certain company is using. Because in HubSpot, of course, um, there's lots of, technographics providers and even HubSpot Insights um, has some technographics that and those are saved um, in, a, in a certain property but then you have lots of like back-end technologies and technologies that are not that easy to detect from mm. company website but they might be mentioned in job openings for example like for example if, if a company is using Gong or Jiminy or yeah. another conversation intelligence tool, it's very difficult to detect by looking at the website. And that's why it's not typically covered by technographics providers. But then if you look at job openings, you can actually see when they hire new people, they talk yeah. about their technology stack. And uh, the first initial thought was to create a task, like whenever somebody mentions Gong in this example, in job openings, somebody would like to know their competitor, for example, would like to know that. But then we started thinking that maybe maybe actually property would be a better place for that type of information because then you could just like you said build lists and I guess also activate workflows. Um, exactly. You work with lots of HubSpot main users and um, let's talk about workflows. Like, what are some of the examples so that people understand the concept of workflow? Like, what type of workflows you you see that people are using and uh, what are the what the ones that are that you have seen being being successful yielding results yeah sure well of course this could be a really long episode if we talk all uh, about all of the the workflows and i mean workflows is uh a, a really a, a function that's becoming more flexible more dynamic more easy to apply as well and and go and even though you have never worked with any kind of like coding or something like that it's really easy to go in and, and work with and you can create a lot of really powerful workflows with minimal effort and you can also create even more powerful with more effort of course uh but just as we talked about before you will having that data in uh, specific properties making sure that okay now we know the optimal way is to create a task create a list create an email well that's something that the workflow can help you with creating that task or uh, making sure that you have the right email list and so forth so you have a lot of different uh, opportunities um, and i think maybe an aspect to talk into is uh, when you have a, a sales process well, normally you know that you go from, from A to B and then to C, but if you don't have anything that is kind of guiding you and saying, okay, the optimal approach for this specific company is to do this task or notify you. 
well, it can be hard to get everybody the same way. And that's something that workflows can do, taking that, uh, those, consider uh, those properties into consideration and suggesting the right task or notifying you when the customer has opened a specific uh, document, went into a website, or as you said, they have applied a new technology that is, that is relevant for, for this process that you are in. Those are really powerful and simple workflows that you can create in, uh, in a CM. Would, would you use, in, in HubSpot, would you use workflow features to do the following example? Let's say that you have an ICP, ideal customer profile, and, and let's say that you go after IoT companies that are located in, in, in Europe and are more than, more than 50 employees. Yeah. I would imagine that, I mean, you only need a little bit of company data automatically um, to bring automatically to HubSpot. But then let's say that you already have information, you have employee count, you have location, and you have that industry vertical, in this case, IoT. So whenever there's a company that used to have, let's say, less than 50 employees, and then that, that property value gets changed and they go above 50 employees. So this company now is part of the ICP. Would you sort of automate that? And can you actually do it by using workflows that the moment when the value in that property um, gets changed, you would create some sort of action for someone? Like, is that how workflows are typically being used? It definitely is. It definitely is. And I mean, that is kind of where you identify new leads, right? And of course, you need that data stream to come in from a from a, an application or an integration, first of all, if you haven't discovered it yourself. Uh, and yeah, one of the things would be to able to see it to say, hey, this company just went into your ICP. This is the right time to reach out to them. So one thing is that it could be an automation that says, now you have to reach out to them. You could also have an automation that uh, enrolls them in some, some kind of lead nurturing if you have the permission for them already on omni-channels or through emails. So yeah, that's definitely uh, an aspect of it. But you can go even further because afterwards you uh, you have a lot of different uh, leads. Uh, how do you approach everyone specifically in the, in, right, uh, in the right way? That's not only based on what ICP learned, but also what they have kind of been doing throughout the sales process. How many days have it been between steps? What are you doing right now? Well, you can also have tasks and notifications and yeah, general automation in terms of communication to make sure that you're moving forward in a, in a sales process view of this, of course. And yeah, and if you take it even further, you would also be able to make sure that you have the data in the right places from going from a deal to a company and something like that. So when you move forward in the future, you have the right data inside to improve that process and improve your workflows. So it's really uh, like an iterative uh, approach when you have this uh, uh, ecosystem, uh, yeah, glasses on. Yeah. Uh, do you know, I mean, there's different objects in, in HubSpot and then these objects, they have properties. You have like company properties, you have contact properties, deal properties. Can you create workflows based on all these different properties or is it somehow limited? I, I understand yeah, you, you can build on uh, every single object type there is, and you'll also be able to create major uh, uh, major changes to those objects. So now we just use the deal example again. You'll also be able to move someone forward in the deal stage if a certain thing has happened as mm. well. Yeah, but I mean, what what do you think? What's holding people back? Because I mean. And it's not only HubSpot. HubSpot is a great example, but there are other tools as well. But 
today we talk about HubSpot and technologies there. And then to get that external data, I mean, there's plenty of providers, Wino being one of them. And I feel that there's also lots of know-how. Like, wh why do you think it's not happening at scale or wh why isn't everyone building these workflows? Yeah. Like, what, what's, what's the reason for that? What are your thoughts? Well, I think before you even start considering building at least uh, a little bit more complex workflows, you need to have addressed what the optimal process is. And simply uh, mapping out what an optimal process is can be, can be difficult, and especially in a complex situation with complex sales process, something like that, where you can say, oh, this might happen, this can also happen, and so forth. So you, you might be afraid to kind of make uh, through automation, making one true road that you are not able to deviate from. And that can also be difficult when you're kind of creating this. But what, of course, you need to, to consider when, when doing the workflows are also these different scenarios that are difficult to predict if you don't have the experience to knowing what is going to happen. So, for example, we, we of course, in Radiant do, do this a lot. So we have the, the experience to see what can happen and so forth. So when we create workflows, we also make sure that if there is 20% of time is going to deviate, well, the automation is not going to dictate anything. It's either going to do a variant of that automation or not interrupt the other process and so forth. And now I'm just talking about one variant. Of course, there could be 10, 20 uh, mm. variants, of course. So you need to make sure that the automations are helping you in the optimal process, depending on the individual situation. And that can become a spider web if you don't know where to start. So that's probably one of the, the major kind of uh, obstacles to, to get going. How about who, who, who should own these these workflows like i guess you might say that well agency partners of course uh, and that's, that's one option but if you, also <laughs> think about, if you also think about the organization um, the sales people using hubspot and marketing people using hubspot sometimes customer success people then you have maybe many different ops teams or maybe just yeah. one of ops like who do you feel is 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 the most natural owner of these workflows because you need also somebody who really understands what's happening so that they can keep fine-tuning that that workflow engine sure well in my opinion process is always above system so you should never kind of like press the process down into the specific system so you need to have a person that understands how the how the process in reality is optimal and having that person have a big say in those organizations. So that might be a vague answer, but if you're looking to sales processes, for example, it should be someone that are really deep into the sales. If it's marketing, it'll be marketing. But you have the most optimal output when you look at it as a whole. So mm -hmm. if you look at it as individual sales, individual marketing, individual service, uh, and you have all of those things in the same CRM with the same data, you always also need someone that can kind of align the three of those. Mm -hmm. So you need to have someone from service, someone from sales, and someone from marketing that is listened to. But then you have one person that is kind of um, in charge of everything, but really listens to those three and can see what the synergies are between those. Yeah. And I would imagine RevOps might be that one individual that is... Exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Have you seen it, by the way? It was one of our... Uh, sales and marketing predictions for this year that RevOps will be one of the trends because historically yeah. 
ops has been quite siloed. You have had sales ops and maybe marketing ops, and they have been working quite separately. But we feel that now it gets more and more centralized. Is that yeah. happening among your customers and prospects? Like, are they actually establishing these uh, these centralized ops teams called DevOps? Yeah, I, I, we can definitely see that this is something that is uh, growing in the in focus. I wouldn't say that we are in, in a revolution right now where we're just going around, but it's definitely something that everybody starts to seeing the the value of, uh, and also just having this approach of just as we talked about, not having those silo functions, but seeing everything as a whole and making sure that you have the the right connections between uh, marketing to sales and sales to onboarding and so forth. Yeah, yep, definitely. Then. Need your input on one topic that we have been working on uh, lately. Um, when I when I had my own sales quota, uh, so I've been in 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 B2B sales myself, and uh, always the moment when I closed a deal, and luckily I, I closed every every now and then. <laughs> when I when I closed a deal, what typically happened back then? I went to Google and other places to find exactly same type of companies because I felt that I had found a winning concept. So I wanted to sort of scale that approach. And now it's no secret we've been working on that with Vino so that we can start providing company lookalikes because I fear that in B2B that's not, not really happening. But what would be, from your point of view, the most natural place to make that data available inside HubSpot? So let's assume you close a company A and we would know that these are the top 20, top 100 lookalikes based on what they actually do. Would you like, how would you make that data, those ideas, new prospects available for the salesperson or for marketing? Like what would be the best place to put the data in, inside HubSpot? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I think it's, it would be a really powerful tool because uh, you, you put the, the, the example of closing a deal, but you can use it a lot of different times as well, but that's probably the most powerful one, as you say. Uh, and of course, uh, being if you are a B2B company, these companies should be created as companies. Mm-hmm. And but then you should have that similarity stored as a sales intelligence piece on a property level. And of course, once again, going into this, you'll be able to leverage this through workflows. So if you, for example, close a deal and you wanted the I don't know ten. Uh, most similar companies and you can get that directly for a function well then of course you wanted to be for, uh, notified or having automatic tasks based on the situation of each each customer so you can just easily uh, go in and look at those companies afterwards good 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 workflow be used uh, again i honestly don't know the answer but let's say that whenever deal goes into closed one states could we then look at certain company properties of, mm-hmm. of that company where the deal was associated? Um, mm-hmm. And could we look at a property called similar businesses and by using workflow automatically create those lookalikes in case they did not exist already? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not. Not not directly in a, in a CRM. <laughs> then you need something that uh, is a little more... Uh, uh, yeah, better to to manage the the large data sets here. Yeah, yeah, but we I guess we could anyways display them in that company profile, and then you could from there you could click create or import. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because you have the data on the company or the deal, uh, so you simply just need something that that looks like it. 
yeah. uh, and sending uh, when you have those lookalikes, sending that data back to the the respective new similar companies, yep. you will be able to through tasks or through the properties or through lists and so forth based on either workflows or the data being taken in, to be able to easily see oh there's actually eight new found uh, similar companies that is just uh, similar to the company you just figure out you had a great value proposition for and that was great in your ICP as well. And now we've been discussing quite a few workflows regarding like identifying new companies to go after, right? Like yeah. whenever there's a company that meets the ICP criteria, let's create that one and maybe even creating a task for the person who gets that same thing with similar businesses. It's about new opportunities, but I guess workflows can be used also later in the in the sales process. Like what, what are some of the examples you guys have been working on regarding workflows that are not about creating new opportunities, but more about like making the the actual process with uh, with a with a prospect. Uh, yeah, sure. More, more sure. Well, uh, directly in the process, um, of course, you can. Uh, it, it depends on the process, of course. We have done a lot of different things, uh, but something we almost uh, do all of the time is to to go in and look on if something is being idle. So for example, of course, uh, a revenue up or a sales rep knows the customer best, they have that dialogue and so forth. But if uh, something is starting to kind of uh, being idle, not have been uh, moving in the last uh, couple of, of weeks or something like that, well, sometimes you need that nudge making sure that, okay, what is going on with this exact uh, company? And by the way, this is a company within this industry. So we know that by experience, this is something that can really push them in the right direction. Yeah. Those are workflows that we kind of make sure that we have this moving forward momentum in mm -hmm. the sales process. And if we don't, we should move something to close loss. We can focus on the, the actual opportunities we have at hand. Uh, so this kind of reminder of all of the different opportunities you have. So you can focus on the on the ones that are actually having a, yeah, have a chance to 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 win. That's something we we often do, uh, and also making sure that all of the sales intelligence that you actually um, that you get throughout a sales process is also being sent back to that company, so mm -hmm. you afterwards can leverage even more uh, automations, even though it doesn't become a company a, a customer. And if if it, if it does, you probably identified some potential upsell opportunities. They shouldn't just be left on a note as well. That should be back at the sales property, making sure that you know when to address that upsell opportunity as well. So, of course, it's a bit vague, but also some of the specific aspects that we will look into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just so that people get an idea about the volume of, of workflows, I don't know if it's possible to answer, but like how many different workflows, like let's say that it's a company, 100 employees, and they have 10, 20 people in, in sales and some in marketing, like not a massive company, but do they have like tens of workflows often activated in HubSpot, even hundreds, or is it just that they have like one or two really good ones and that's what they do? Uh, what, what have you seen? Yeah, well, well, when we go in uh, and start working with someone, sometimes they have two or three. And when we go out, they probably have around 100, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, because uh, one thing is what we talk about uh, are these tasks and these moving forward and um, looking into new, new leads. But another thing is just diminishing administrative task of if you have put a, a data point in one place and you need to three places. Well, 
have that copied over and so forth, right? Yeah. Just making it a more intelligent system as well. And that you can do a lot. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of different uh, aspects as well, yeah. Yeah, so there will be often, when, when you actually start working with workflows, the number of workflow flows goes up quite a, quite a bit. Uh, Definitely. Do you, where do people sort of document all that? I mean, in, in product development, it's all about documenting what you do so that it, even if there's a new person who comes in, it's easier for them to get up and running and, and that you have an understanding what you have actually built and how, how everything functions. But yeah. if you build tens of workflows in yeah. HubSpot, I think it's, it's quite easy to lose the understanding of what are we actually doing? So many workflows going back Definitely. and forth. Like where, where should people document all this? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, of course, it depends on the complexity, just as you say, right? And these administrative workflows that are just kind of helping you not putting in something in twice, you don't really need to know it. But all of the other things, but the process, the sales process, marketing process, so forth, that's a spider web to access in HubSpot or a CRM system. So you need that source of truth. And actually, normally, it's best to have that source of truth outside the system so you don't kind of lose sight in tens of workflows as you say but you know for example that here we have the buyer journey and when you're in stage x uh, and y uh, we know that these two or three workflows are happening or if you have a marketing system we know that we want to target people over here and here here so if you want to look in a, in a specific aspect or a, a specific workflow the crm system are great to get that but to seeing kind of the, the associations to everything together, you can click around us and just in, 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 yeah, in a matter of minutes, you will realize you're going a little bit in circles, right? So you need that source of truth someone else. Um, and we use a lot of different systems, but normally we can also use like a, a, a drawing a system like Miro or something like that, where you can collaborate and see what the source of truth for our process is. So, yeah. And then last, last question. Uh, if we still try to s simplify this concept of workflows, like it could be an example, something yeah. that you have done at Radiant uh, for your own business or maybe one of your customers, but could you give an extremely easy to understand example, real life example, how workflows work and how they have helped a certain customer? Like it could be anything, but as long as it's quite simple to understand. I just want to make sure. sure that everyone really gets the, the main main uh, idea of, of a workflow. Sure. So a really simple down-to-earth example could be that you have to talk to a new lead. The new lead is uh, interested in learning more about your company. And mm -hmm. when you lock that into your system, there's simply uh, an automation, creating a task, making sure that you follow up on this. It could also be that when you have uh, done the meeting or so forth, that you put some some properties in that you know you need for a future purpose. The the automation can also go back and say to create your offer, you actually need these three pieces of information that you haven't collected yet. Make sure to collect them to go forth. Really down to earth, and maybe almost taking taking the role of a sales team lead to some extent, yeah. making sure that people follow the sales playbook. I sometimes also say that uh, if you talk to sales, you should tell them that you're getting a, a digitalized PA helping you, making sure that uh, you have all of the tasks you need to do. <laughs> yeah. 
And of course, maybe not a down-to-earth example, but, but a great example of the, the kind of the, the power of, of workflows and leveraging. Mm-hmm. It's also, uh, uh, yeah, we can't mention the name of the, the company, but we, we did an, a project where we went in with a, a, a market data system. In this case, uh, it was Winer. That was the, the great choice. So we did it with you. And we have these triggers from your side sending into to the HubSpot system when a new com- a company in that specific vertical reached a, a certain mass. Then it was sent into HubSpot, and also if it, they started using specific technologies, and that information was sent into to HubSpot. We locked it, of course, in the properties, so we have that. And there are around twenty workflows not right now, making sure that you either get sales, the notification, and the right task to move forward. But we also have for companies where the permission has already been gathered, they are actually receiving automated uh, nurturing making sure that they actually are aware of these possibilities that are now available for them and so forth and nurturing up until they're ready to go with this project as well. Yep. And I guess the key to build all these 20 workflows was to save the data into a property. Definitely. Just like sending it as a, as a note or a task because workflows are based on these, these properties. Exactly. Do you have, I mean, it would be, do you know if the, anyone is, is building or managing like a, like a library of existing workflows? I would imagine quite a few HubSpot admins would like to see uh, like real life examples, successful workflows, sales, marketing, CS, and different parts of the buying process. It could be even a good content idea for, for someone like Radiant, I feel. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Uh, that I know of, there's not like a, a large library of what we've done. Uh, of course, the most common ones, uh, of course, as you said, we are partnered with HubSpot, so I'm focusing on HubSpot here. They have a really good like knowledge base when you want to do exactly things and they have a community. So people uh, post about these common issues. But of course, if you go into the tailored part, it can also be hard to create like a, a one-to-one f- uh, following a library. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in that sense, I'm not sure that's one, but HubSpot has this knowledge base where they do it. Uh, so yeah, so you can see the, the, the most common and basic examples. And when you get kind of the, the gist of how the workflows are working, it's also really easy to build from there. The main pitfalls, of course, that I mean, the more complex you do it, the more errors you're also going to create, uh, you're also going to make. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. So I guess we can sum it up by saying that it, we believe that this will be the year of workflows and um, people just need to keep in mind that quite often they need to store the data in properties if they use HubSpot because that's the way to trigger these workflows and then they can be used in sales, marketing, CS and not only in the early states of the sales process but also later on people just needed to be prepared that there will be quite a few of them so it's important to have a good understanding what's happening uh, in, in, in all those workflows. But Rune, thanks a lot for joining uh, the podcast. And um, I think this was excellent, excellent episode. And we'll be back, back again with a new episode one week from now. So thanks, Rune, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you.